Hi, it's Mickey Dolans here. You're listening to Inspirado Projecto. Mr. Inspirado Projecto, how you doing? How's Yachtly Crew? Oh my God, dude, every time I hear certain songs, I think of you guys. <laughs> it's all your fault, man. It was amazing. Anyways, I hope y'all are doing amazing on your tour. I hope everything's going great. I'm sure it is because you guys are fabulous. But I just wanted to say hi. Talk to you soon, my friend. The time is now 11.50 in the p.m. Today's May 16th. Actually, this is the the date that Andy Kaufman took a vacation. Um, As far as I'm concerned, he faked his death. This episode is not going to be about Andy Kaufman. I do have an episode about Andy Kaufman. You can search Inspirato Projecto Andy Kaufman and you will hear that episode. It's chock full of fun things. I did this uh, probably a couple years ago. Um, This episode is the third installment of the Golden State Heroes series with Martin Schmidt who completely uh, helped, well, to a certain extent. He, he, he deserves a lot more funding um, to help do the proper, the fully proper uh, job that he, that he envisions. Uh, he helped restore the Golden State Theater in Monterey. He also makes really cool sock monkeys. So you'll hear his segment uh, first. And uh, he's and I go with him upstairs and he's he's taking me on a tour uh, in areas of the theater that I, I didn't know existed. So you'll hear him take me around up there and he's t- talking about all the different ghosts in the building. Uh... And the lovely lady you just heard there is Foxy Lady. She's from Awesome Sauce Radio. And I got the opportunity to meet her and her husband, Desert Fox, at a Yachtly Cruise show uh, at the Marquee Theater in Arizona some time back, a couple months ago. So, I'm happy to say, yes, we are concluding the third part of the Golden State Heroes. By the way, thank you, Mickey Dolans, for the opening. Um, So we're concluding that third thing with Martin Schmidt, Cristo Rapolo. Cristo Rapolo, you'll hear in a moment, who... um, talks all about his UFO experiences. Um, So I interviewed Foxy Lady and Desert Fox outside of the Marquee Theater, but also outside of the hotel. I had another great conversation with them out there. So that, I had a three-part series with them. That third part will get released as well. So, um, after Martin Schmidt here, we will get a message from the mystery man. He wanted to remain anonymous. So he is, in fact, anonymous, anonymous, anonymous. Uh, he calls in, and I have a two part podcast series with him. So I wanted to get these out of the way and then we'll we'll get on our way with the the mystery man. Uh so thanks for listening to Inspirato Projecto. I am CEC your host. And uh if you want to learn more about Yachtly Crew, go to yachtlycrew.com. And perhaps we will be playing in your area. 
just got done with another East Coast tour. That was fantastic. So, uh, wow, we've been getting lots of shows lately, and I'm very excited about it. By the way, we have a brand new song out, our own original song called Sex on the Beach. It's on Spotify. You might be listening to this episode right now on Spotify, actually. Uh, It's also on iTunes. Sex on the Beach by Yachtly Crew. Um, By the way, this podcast can be heard anywhere and everywhere podcasts can be found. Just just, uh, look up Inspirato Projecto and you will see a whole list of places. A whole list of places. I went haywire with making sure that you could hear this. So thanks for listening to Inspirato Projecto. And uh, let's listen to what Martin Schmidt has to say. Okay. All right. Okay. So, so yeah. Um, so, yeah, we were up on the third floor because I had this um, mechanical wheel of fortune with a little flapper on it and so forth. And the lady that was volunteering with us, she had one of her kids in Monterey High School, and they were doing the sober graduation. And that particular year, it was themed, uh, the Batman movies were all the rage, and they were doing a Batman-themed casino. Oh, cool. Right? And so they had all these games of chance and whatever. I don't know. I didn't know, so I don't know exactly what they were. That's great. But they wanted to have a big Wheel of Fortune like that. And when the lady saw the one upstairs, she said, could we go up and take measurements of that and copy it? Oh, boy. So we can build our own. I said, sure. So I took her up there. It was late one night. Uh-huh. And so we're busy. We have a piece of paper laid out on the workbench up there, and we're measuring this thing and making drawings. And all of a sudden, from one of the restrooms on that level, it sounded like you would take a very large wrench and bang on the pipes, bang on the plumbing pipes. Bang, bang, bang. There was nobody else up there besides us. Oh, There's nothing else up there that I would know. I know this building pretty thoroughly. There's nothing else that would make that sound. So I remembered what somebody had told me, that ghosts are merely people who don't have bodies anymore. But they have all the feelings that we people have. Mm. So I called over to him apologetically and I said I'm sorry to disturb you we're just we would just want to measure this thing so we can build one for the kids at the high school and they can have a good time the noise stopped oh my god that's great and you I just never, reasoned with them you're like hey exactly. listen guy let's let's be cool really just real quick yeah we'll, we'll be out of your way yeah, yeah. yeah exactly that was the idea and the noise stopped instantly and I've never heard it since oh my gosh wow that's and incredible. now of course as we know that spirit has moved on anyway wow um under the stage and backstage. Hi. <laughs> Ghost stories, yes. I was like, every time I come to the bar when I would stalk and I'm by myself, I'd walk in and say, I'm here by myself. I come in peace. You stay in your zones. I'll stay in mine. We're good. <laughs> oh, that's great. You're just letting them know. Like, okay, no, stay I'm where you're here, at. but I'm going to be over here. Can you, wherever you guys want to be, can I'll you go over yonder? And we're good. I respect your space, respect mine. Yeah, I love it. Oh, that's great. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, so yeah, there was one spirit that used to live under the stage and he roamed around backstage as well. And here again, every time I went under the stage, I could feel this kind of feeling of unease. Something didn't want me there. Oh boy. Um, now the, when we installed the pipe organ, the console of the organ, which sits in the center of the orchestra pit, and we go down and take a look at it later. It's underneath all the platform and everything right now, so it's hard to get to, but you can do it. Um, the original hydraulic lift is still underneath it. It's powered by city water pressure. Mm. So underneath the Whoa. stage is a master valve to turn it off when you're done with it. So, you're, 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 so it's like you're turning on a shower? Yeah. You're like, you're, tur- you're going, yeah. let's turn on, let's I'll turn tell it you on. Story and, it'll, and it'll just rise. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't work as well as it used to because they put in a pressure regulator to keep all the fixtures from blowing out. Oh. The city water pressure is very high here. Uh, but the high pressure was great for the lift because it just... Oh, my gosh. Um, but when they put the regulator in, it cut the pressure down so the lift doesn't work very well. Oh. Anyways, um, but after we were working on the organ, I had to go one day, I had to go down under the stage to turn off the master valve. And I went down there through the stairs from the orchestra pit. And from across the space, I felt this blast of hatred. 
from oh. it felt to me like a very defined space, a, a sphere about six feet in diameter, and I could feel it coming from that. There wasn't anything visual, you know, just in my mind's eye. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't want, I had to turn my back on it to turn the valve off, and I didn't want to. Oh my gosh. And here again, I felt apologetic. I didn't say anything to this one, but I felt kind of apologetic, like, I'm sorry, I'm in your space, I just have to do this. And, but I could, I could feel it, sense it there the whole time, and I had no idea I would be able to do this. Whoa. Um, but, yeah, the, the clarity was just weird. Um, so that was, that was my major encounter with that one. And then the one that lived above the organ chamber. Now, in the ceiling of each chamber is a little hatch about this big, mm. uh, just big enough for one person to squeeze up through. And that was meant to get to the level above so you could change all the indirect lighting bulbs. Oh. Right? Um, which hardly anybody ever needed to do, especially after, you know, the, the 50s and, and the place was spray painted and they didn't use the lights anymore. They didn't bother replacing them. They burned out. Anyway, so this area was very, very quiet. Nobody ever went up there until we started putting the pipe organ up. And that hatch is the only way up into that space. So we, put a, we built a ladder. It was fastened underneath the hatch so I could climb right through. It would be a permanent ladder. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have to keep putting temporary ladders up there. It's still there. And we put several pieces of the pipe organ on the level above because since it wasn't the original model, it had been expanded, and we needed a little extra space. Not everything would fit in the chamber. Um, so on multiple occasions, I had to go up through this hatch. Oh, boy. Now, this entity had chose to live right above the hatch. So whoever what went through heck? it had to pass through the space the entity occupied. Oh my gosh. Which, oh my gosh. the way I sensed it, here again was a sphere, but this one about three feet in diameter. Okay, And you had to climb up through that thing. through the center of it. And every time I felt it didn't what? want me there, and I felt apologetic, like, I'm sorry, I have to disturb you. Whoa, man. I never had any trouble with it. But one of our other volunteers did, the man who owned the pipe organ. He said he was uh, he was climbing down through the hatch one time. He just done some work up up in the top. And he was climbing down through, and he said all of a sudden he felt a sensation like fire and icicles going through him at the same time. Oh my gosh! It was really bizarre. Oh my gosh! And he said he got that out of there as fast as he possibly could. Whoa! Now those two entities are not there anymore either. If you go upstairs, you go to the, the back up there. It just feels like an empty old building now. So those three have moved on. Wow. It's but for, for many years, they occupied those spaces. It's amazing. You personally have experienced this stuff. Cowboy was telling me that. He's like, you know, I find that I just don't talk about the paranormal stuff while I'm here. He's like, but I'll talk about it outside of here. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it would freak a lot of people out. <laughs> we don't want to give any negative connotations of the building. Well, what I was telling him, because he was telling me, he's like, I haven't felt anything bad from them or anything. I said, well, that's awesome that you feel, you know, mm-hmm. you feel like that's there's a respectful the thing going on. Remaining right. right. He and came I'm thinking, after this all happened. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's so interesting that you, you know, they have that theory. He's like, oh, yeah, I just feel like the energy is more, you know, when you talk about them, it's like maybe they're getting excited that you're like inviting them into the conversation mm-hmm. or something. I mean, I, I've always wanted to, to see you know, paranormal activities or, or just to like know that they were listening to me or that I could, we could, you know, if there's some sort of communication that was going on there. Um, I had a few experiences many, many, many years ago uh, in the Queen Mary, which is actually long before I knew it was haunted. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I had a couple of experiences there too. Wow. So uh, that's a topic for another time since we're focusing on the theater, but it's incredible. So I, yeah, I apparently do have a certain. So having those experiences back then kind of, uh, when you had the experiences here, you could feel, right? Did you feel I was similar? more in tune with it, I guess, mm-hmm. since I had already had the other experience. That's what I was thinking. Uh, yeah, I, I came to the realization, yes, this is a real thing, <laughs> you know, and, and for whatever reason, I have a certain degree of sensitivity, not as much as many other people have, um, but those are the experiences that I have had. Gosh, and they were, they were very vivid and uh, very well-defined, I thought. Um, so there it is for what it's worth. Wow, it's incredible. Oh yeah, what's there, this? These are fire hose racks. This oh, it's empty now, but you can see where the hose. The, uh, there used to be a big faucet here, and this was would be pressurized by the fire department. If a fire were broke out, they'd come and hook up outside, or maybe it had. No, I don't think it had water pressure in it all the time. But anyway, so then they they had fire hose coiled back and forth. There's, there's one in the auditorium. It's great, and you guys repainted this. What happened is we right? replaced this. 
Oh. Because there are firehouse racks all over the building, but three of them were missing. Huh. This one, the one down at the front of the auditorium on this side, and the one backstage, which is there today, all three you of them. You know what? I saw, I saw one, mm-hmm. not like this necessarily, but I saw the, I saw the hose over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those three had been missing from the theater for many years. And um, uh, a friend of my friend Gary Parks, who uh, his name is Mark Santa Maria, he's an antique dealer up in the Bay Area. And he specializes in old theater fixtures, among other things. And whenever they're tearing down or re- redecorate, remodeling an old theater, and they're stripping out fixtures, and usually they sell them, he goes and sees what he can buy. And he had acquired these three fire hose racks, which are the same style as the originals that were in this building. I have no idea why the originals were another... maybe, maybe souvenir hunters or something. But it was a super nice coincidence. Yet another awesome synchronicity. You In all these stories, this has just so happened to be like this throughout all this stuff. So we bought them from him. I think he charges $300 a piece, if I remember, or something like that. Maybe it was 200 Anyhow, uh, Gary painted them to match the others, and we installed I mean, how crazy is that, that the guy had the ones yeah. that were here? Not, no, they weren't the exact ones. They were out of a similar theater. Oh, but they were a similar theater. Yeah, same architects, so they had been chosen from the same See, catalog. I mean, it just... Yeah, but they weren't the exact ones. But I can tell you a story about yeah. two things yes. that were original. Let's go oh, my. Upstairs. Yes, let's do it. Now, is this so, the original carpet, do you think? No, no. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, it's, it has the same flavor as the original. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, so, as I mentioned, the place was triplexed in 1976. Oh. At that time, this staircase did not exist. This was a, this was a closed alcove. Oh. And originally, there was one big sofa that filled up the entire alcove from one Whoa. side to the other. That's long since gone. But that staircase did not exist. They had to put it in as a, as a fire exit. And when they put the theaters upstairs in, as oh, That's right, you were saying the theaters upstairs. I forgot that there yeah. were theaters upstairs. Yeah. 1976 is when they did that. I was 18 years old at the time. Wow. And if you look up on the ceiling, you will see straight lines. They're hard to see now because they've largely been painted over. But if you start at the projection booth here, Can you see two faint lines that oh, yeah. merge like that? Oh, yeah. That's where two of the walls were. Oh! They formed a tunnel that oh. the projector, projector up there projected the picture. Okay, now I see what you're talking about. Uh-huh. Okay, this is what divided. So this was its own thing here. Right. That was its own thing and there. That was its own thing. Oh, my gosh. Now, what a brilliant idea. When they did that, for God knows what reason, they took those two chandeliers down. And they sold them. No way. It's not like they were in the way of the projector or anything. Yeah, they're not in the way. why they did that. Well, how the heck did you find those? Pure chance. Gary and I (laughs) were in in Berkeley, I think it was. And we were visiting an old theater there, which wasn't nearly as elaborate as this, but it was dated from the same period. And we were talking to the guy who was the projectionist up there. And um, we introduced ourselves, told him where we were from. And he says... Monterey. He says, oh, yeah, the Golden State Theater. I said, that's right. He says, you guys are missing two chandeliers from the balcony, aren't you? I said, yeah. What? How did you know that? No. And he said, I know where they are. Of course he does. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They had been bought. um, Ultimately, I'm not sure if he bought them directly from the theater. But they had eventually found their way into the hands of a man named Alan Michon in Oakland, who owns the Grand Lake Theater. And he had been uh, oh my gosh. he had been buying up old theater fixtures from various places just to just to fix up his own theater, and he had bought these two. He had never used them; they were in storage, and he hung on to them for all these years, and Insane. along with lots of other stuff. So I contacted him and told him about us and told him the whole story, and he says, "Oh yeah, I know those chandeliers." Oh my um, gosh! Now at the at the time, the place was still owned by United Artists. Okay, this place was. And so he said, well, I don't want to sell them back to you right now because I really don't want to help my competition. Mm -hmm. I can understand that. But he said, if the theater is ever sold and put in private hands, call me. Oh, that is so cool. That is so cool. He was as good as his word. I love it. I love it. Because it was many, many years after that. I mean, that that was in the late 1990s, and it wasn't until 2004 
that the theater was finally sold from United Artists, and I called. So it was like probably six years. Oh man! So I oh, called man. up Mr. Michon and I told him the news, and he says, "Okay, I'll sell you the chandeliers." So we got we uh, got a van and we drove up to Oakland. Yeah, these things and are the, huge. The new owner of the theater at that time bought the chandeliers. We brought them home and we put them back what where the they heck? were. I can't believe these things even fit in a van. Oh, oh, so the circle, okay. No, the, so the, the circles were still up there. You're just talking yeah, about the, chandelier. Those, those big circles there, those medallion kind of things, those are plaster, and they're actually part of the ceiling. Okay. In so fact, they're perforated because they were the exhaust ducts for the air conditioning. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. There's another story about that. But I anyway. think it's so interesting, too, that the guy, the first guy you went to, like, that's one of the first things he calls out. He's like, yeah, it's missing a couple of chandeliers, isn't it? And it's like, well, the thing yeah, is, how the heck did you know that? <laughs> I don't, I, here again, it's one of these synchronicity things. But yeah. apparently, a lot of the times when you had a fixture like this that went through multiple hands, the story of where it came from would have been lost. Oh, but oh. But not with these. The story oh went with them. Oh, my and gosh. And sold it. them to the next people said, oh, these are from the Golden State Theater in Monterey. And so that information passed with them, which is pretty You weird. know, I almost feel like I'm getting this vibe that, like, this theater called you to help bring it back together, for you to be its Frankenstein's monster, so to speak. It's it, kind of the feeling. It led you through this path. Otherwise, you wouldn't have all these interesting cosmic experiences like this. I mean, look at all the, the synchronicities that you have outlined to me. By you just simply going, huh, I have an intuition. Let me go in this direction. And you, you stumble upon someone who's like, hey, uh, I bet you there's something that you're looking for, very specific. You know, and you're like, yeah, how the heck do you know that? <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, I think, you, I think you're absolutely right on some level. Like, I, honestly, that's the because vibe I'm getting. Like, it, this was, this it was wanted you. This was for me yes. ever since I was young. You and were destined to bring this place back together, man. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah. And, you know, it's... It's bittersweet because it's not done yet. Mm. There's more to do. We have to fix the front. We got to get the pipe organ restored again because this time a few years ago, the, the previous owner of this place before the current owner, he never bothered to maintain the roof drains. Oh. So rainwater built up this time oh. on this side, leaked oh. through the ceiling and damaged the present organ. Oh. So that needs to be repaired. But of course you need money for that. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, when it was intact and we installed it, we didn't need a whole lot of money. All we needed was volunteer labor. I mean, I bet you could. You, I bet you you could probably raise money from the community in some way, whether it's a GoFundMe or something like that. Like, hey we, guys, let's we're yeah, gonna get we this could. thing going. We did some of that in the beginning, but the thing is, at the beginning we had a sympathetic owner, United Artists. Right. Uh, they were very happy uh, and very accommodating. We'd probably get. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were very accommodating. accommodating to us and let us climb all over the place and let us do all this fabulous work um, and then as soon as it was sold from United Artists into private hands all that went away he wasn't interested in facilitating any more of it of us doing it uh, why, do you, why would you shut off such loving inspiration why would you shut off that valve it was you know the, what I mean it was the personality type he was like that's like like, he bought the place probably thanks to all yes. the awesome renovations that you did. Mm -hmm. So you'd think that someone with that mindset would be like, yes, please, let's keep this going. Let's keep it going. No, he alienated every one of my volunteers. That is weird. Finally, even me. I was the last one to leave, but I finally gave up. So which owners did you have the good rapport with? The United Artists? United people, Artists. And then, but not the other guy, but, but then the after, other ones after that? Nothing, nothing really after that because they all just wanted to do their own thing. Oh. They weren't interested in having volunteers, mm. anything like that. They were just interested in what they wanted to do. The second owners were out of San Francisco Bay Area. Mm. And they had successfully run a theater up there. Uh, coincidentally, another Reed Brothers Theater. Wow, um, wow. And they wow. had successfully run that as a live venue for many, many years. And um, so they came down here, and the wife built a sort of quasi-theme park on the third floor called Selfieville. What? Which was patterned after something she saw in San Francisco, which worked great in San Francisco. It didn't work in Monterey. Uh, the Monterey, Monterey, there's another floor? Oh, yeah. Go see that. What the heck? Uh, before we before we do, yeah. I want you to take a look. It's gonna be hard with the with the music. Take a look through that window. You see that little panel right by the floor, right by the bottom of the staircase there? It yeah. Has five little switches on it. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you a story about that later. Yeah. That's oh, that's cool. Equipment to the theater. Oh wow. Oh my god. Let's go up to the 
first floor. This is incredible. So what the heck? So there's a third floor. There's a... Okay, the, the building consists of two main portions. There's the theater part, and then there's what's called the office block. Oh. Okay. Which is oh, my separate. gosh. The two are separated by white wells on the second and third floor. What the heck? Interesting. Let's try going the other way. Interesting. This was the staircase where they used to hear the ghost lady singing. Oh, wow. That used to be a dentist office many, many, many years ago. Wow, it's in the same building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's access to Alvarado Street right there. Oh. Those two doors are not original to the building. They came, I think, from the old theater that used to be across the street, which was called the, originally it was the Strand Theater, then it became the Regency, then, no, then it became the Rio, then the Regency, and it's where the Alvarado Brewing Company is today. Oh, wow. You'd never recognize it as a theater, but it was. Oh, wow. It opened, actually, it was built about 1917, so it predated this theater. May not be able to. Uh, there's restrooms here on balcony level. Oh, Gary found these restroom signs somewhere. They're not original to the theater, but they're the same style. Uh, he, at the time, was doing stained glass and etched glass for a living. Whoa. He was a professional. And so he made those etched glass signs. Those are great. The, restored the light fixtures, and we put them up there. Those are great. So they're not original, but they're the same style. So this was the original management office. Wow. Holy cow! Totally so they don't do anything in here anymore? Uh, well, I'm not sure what the current owner has planned. What for the it. heck? But it's offices and the like. Oh, oh my gosh! This is like a whole entire okay. place. Picture the grand lobby for a second with that big mural right over the entrance doors. Yeah. This is the back of that mural. That's where we're at right now. That's where we're at. Oh my gosh! That's incredible. Let me poke my head into Cowboy's office for a second. Because oh, that's great! He's got astronauts all over. <laughs> that that's was, great. That was left over from the Selfieville days. In Selfieville. The previous owners. Yeah, it was an, it was a place for. Uh, we want people to take pictures take, of, take of pictures each other with their kids. Yeah, exactly. Somewhere up here is the eagle that I made for the facade last time. It was in that office. Maybe Cowboys moved it. My gosh! Uh, interesting. Anyway, I was going to show that to you. Interesting. But, this place just—I mean, this place is a labyrinth. There's more and more. Oh yeah, there's the sign, Selfie Bill. Wow. What the heck? And there's like a... What the heck? It's like Wizard of Oz or something. Oh, yeah. It's all these different themed rooms. Oh my gosh. It was a complete bust, as you might expect. Yeah. Uh, but she thought it was going to be the greatest thing. Jeez, what? I mean... They had a snack bar here. Interesting. So this restaurant... Holy cow. This restaurant here is... Oh my god, this looks like Pee-wee's Playhouse or something. <laughs> Pretty much. Holy cow! This is where the ghost was that banged on pipes. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And at that time, this, none of these walls were here. It was just a big open space, and we were over there. Uh, Whoa. Yeah, oh, with the wheel? Is that where it was? The wheel was the over wheel there? The wheel was over there by the windows. Oh. But none of these walls were here. These were all built. Whoa. Whoa. Jeez, what the heck? See, they could totally rent this out for, like, I mean, exactly. they could rent out this space. I wanted to open a maker space up here. Oh, my God. Yes, that would be phenomenal. Oh, my God. Dude, you could have a whole colony of uh, art stuff going oh, yeah. on. The possibilities are... Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Behind this wall are the windows at the facade. Oh, okay. 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 So the street's right down there. Oh. Oh. And right about... Here somewhere over by the wall is where we were doing with the Wheel of Fortune when we got heard from the ghost. Oh my gosh. As I say, oh, here, here we are. We would have been right about here. So you guys were here and then yeah. you heard the cling cling from that restroom right there, yeah. Oh my gosh. Here again, none of the walls were here, it was just a big open space. That, and I mean, rather gloomy because, you know, there are only a few light bulbs. So. Oh, what the heck? So there you oh my go. gosh. Oh, what's this? I mean, this is. This is really crazy. This room with go. the clouds and the stars. No way! I can see out the. Yeah, you're looking oh, at one of the windows. Look at that! Oh my gosh, it's incredible. I thought they were taking these walls down, but they haven't yet. Wow! Wow! So there you go. Wow! I mean, 
man, they could have like a haunted house up here or something. Yeah. They could do all kinds of cool oh, yeah. stuff. Like you're saying, a maker space. I mean, that would just be great. Here's a little story. Uh, nothing to do with ghosts, but it's historical. Um, it was easier to tell before the walls were all finished up here. But that wall had obviously been taken out and replaced at some point. Oh. And I found out years later why. Because one of the people who was the manager here decades and decades ago came up and saw this big empty space and said, hey, this is perfect. Now I finally have a place I can build my boat. Oh my gosh, they're building started, a boat up here? They're building a boat up here, just one. Like what but, an awesome, surreal kind of thing, you know? It gets even more surreal because, as you might expect, once he got the boat finished, he realized it wouldn't fit. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking, like, how is he going to bring that down? Oh, my gosh. So they took that wall out. They brought a crane up the alley. <laughs> no way. They reached in with the crane. No the way. No way. Took it out and what then the, put the wall back. It's crazy. True story. He's like, I'm going to build my boat up there without yeah. even that idea, without even realizing how the heck am I going to get it out of here. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was long before my time. Wow, this whole, I mean, geez, man, there could be a whole documentary about this place. Wow. 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 This is great. I can't believe that that, that all this stuff is up here. (laughs) Holy cow, man. Amazing. So you're, you're not in contact, uh, are you, I mean, how's the current, what are the current owners like? Are you, do you have I, have a I've only met him once and it was for about 10 seconds. Oh. He, uh, he owns the Catalyst in Santa Cruz. Uh-huh. And that's a very successful venue, has been for many, many years. And so he bought this place so he could do the same thing down here that he does up in Santa Cruz. Wow. But he's very busy. Doesn't have, should we go through here? Hey, oh, we're playing tonight. Oh, awesome. And he restored this whole place. I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey! Oh, I'm playing tonight. All right. And he, he restored this whole place. <laughs> uh, okay, since we're standing here, a little bit of yeah. trivia. These walls are not original. The original walls are behind these. Really? The lobby was redecorated to an extent, I don't know exactly how much, in about 1934. And the reason we know that there are walls behind these, well, there's a couple of couple of reasons that would take a long time to get into but one of our volunteers the guy who owned the pipe organ actually saw the inside of one of these walls once because before they finished off that second floor space there was a spot where he could get up over the ceiling and poke your head in through a hole in the planks and he saw down between the two walls really and he said they were more like the auditorium walls with little alcoves in them Oh my gosh. So in 34 or thereabouts, these walls were built and they just built them. Yeah, because I noticed the rest of these walls have like, you know, there's yeah, like. They're all bumpy. So it's probably what this was behind there, behind right? There. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, um, we Because that, that's the original walls, right? No. No, oh, that's a fake one too? That's a fake one too. Just like this one. Oh. On both sides. Oh, they tried to kind of give it a little bit of a. They tried to kind of make it look like these. They tried. Because yeah. you can tell as it gets up a little higher, there's some bumps in it. Yeah, in it. Like yeah. They tried Somebody, to like sculpt it in they there. They tried, but it wasn't yeah. an exact match. Oh, my gosh. So we think that in 1934, there was a fire oh. in the lobby. It didn't consume the building, but it charged some of the timbers above the mezzanine ceiling. Wow. And, um, and I've seen them. Uh, so we figured they probably did a, a sort of publicity, uh, what am I saying, public relations thing, you know, remodeled, redecorated, so forth. Come see the new look. And the, oh, yeah. So that was about that time. Um, the Jeez, mural man. Yeah. was painted, I think, let's see, I think it was about 1938. Um, there used to be a man who owned the tobacco store next to the theater. Oh. His name was Lee Hellam. Mm. And when I was growing up, the tobacco store was actually in the farthest storefront, this direction, in the theater. So it's like the oh. number one as you're looking from the street if you come oh. from left or right. And Lee had actually worked in the theater as a janitor and maintenance guy in the 1930s during the Depression. So he knew the building really well. Wow. And he told us all kinds of stories. Um, and one of the stories he told was the guy who came to paint this mural... Uh, he said, I think he said it was an artist from San Francisco and was done somewhere around 38. So I don't know if it, was a, if it was another kind of mural there before or not. But he said what the guy did was 
he took this big piece of canvas and laid it out on the big workbench that used to be upstairs on the third floor where we just were. Oh. Painted this mural on it. When it was dry, he rolled it up, took it down here, and Whoa. glued it up to the wall. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. That now, is brilliant. The same artist painted a very similar mural in the Merced Theater in Merced, which I told you about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see the influence. As I said, it was the same architects who built the place originally. You can see the influence. The lobby decor, you know, the lobby is a different shape, but the lobby decor is very similar to this. Wow. And it has a very similar mural. The difference is that the wall that it's sitting on is wider. So there's a second shield on the other side of the mural. There's one on the left and one on the right, whereas this mural only has a shield on the right. Oh, my gosh. And there are a few other minor differences. The boat, I think, is a little farther away. No, the boat in the, in the background is a little farther away. That galley oh, in there. Man. Uh, but you can clearly tell it was the same artist, same style. That is great. So that was painted about the same time. Gosh, Martin, thank you so much for talking. It's my yeah, pleasure. Thank you so much. I know, me too. I got to get dressed. I got to eat all this razzmatazz. But I, tomorrow you're off to the next city, right? Yeah, so within a couple of days, I'll be able to get the podcast up because I had another interview earlier today. Um, so it'll probably be within a couple of days, but I'll text you Take your the time, actual yeah. link. Martin, Fantastic. it's been such a great pleasure. pleasure. It's so great talking to you. Take care. Wow, that was Martin Schmidt. Wow. Such a wealth of information. A wealth of information. Anyway, all right, here we go. I got to go get uh, my food. Um, <clears throat> George Martin, George Martin. That's just the code word, George Martin. Uh, uh, I'm ready to do the podcast, Mr. Inspirado Projecto. Whenever you are. I, I already sent a recording, but I had no clue if you would know if it was me, and I thought about that after. Word. All right. Wowzers, Martin Schmidt is a wealth of knowledge, isn't he? This, this, so Martin Schmidt is very passionate, as you can tell, about the information that he has studied. This guy has gone down the rabbit holes, and as you know, if, you know, you, you're listening to this episode, so you are a fellow explorer, adventurer, fringe seeker, I'm thinking, and when you go down these rabbit holes and you, 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 you follow the mysteries, you can't help but want to share them with people, especially when people who are attentive, those who are curious, and they want to know more. I just keep digging. I want to keep digging, digging, digging. Um, as I've said before, every person is a universe unto themselves. And thank you, Mystery Man, for calling in. Uh... As I said before, Mystery Man's two-part podcast uh, interview will be coming out shortly. Uh, so check out, look up the sock, look up sock monkey guy. If you're a fan of sock monkeys, look up sock monkey guy, Martin Schmidt, S-C-H-M-I-D-T. Look it up. You'll you you could you could get yourself a really cool customized sock monkey. Martin made me. Uh, in fact, I'll take a photo of this guy. That he he will be the picture of this episode. He made me a yacht rock sock monkey. Yacht sock. I'll call him a, so- a yacht sock monkey. Just a really cool dude. He made he made him look exactly like one of our Yachtly Crew guys. It's phenomenal. So let's dive now into Cristo Rapolo, an equally passionate. I'm not, I'm not gonna call him an Earthling. I'm not even sure that Martin is an Earthling. These guys are so highly advanced that uh, these guys are just way beyond just a. Uh, uh, that sort of uh, beige area um, of of mundanity. These guys are 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 spa- uh, fellow space cadets here. They do the deep dives. Cristo Rapolo has had many experiences. By the way, if you want to hear more of these interviews, the first and second interviews, just just 
look just look up Inspirato Projecto Martin Schmidt or look up uh, Inspirato Projecto Golden State Heroes and you'll get both. Uh, you'll get the other two parts of these. Crystal Rapolo has been having the UFO experiences for eons and seeing all kinds of things. He'll be talking to us about the orbs, um, his hospital visit, um, the unique places he goes to. And by the way, his friend, uh, John Carlo, I believe is his name, was recording us talking on and off intermittently because uh, he's making a documentary. There's a third documentary about Cristo Rapolo. The first two are out. One is called The Curse of the Man Who Sees UFOs, and then there's The Man Who Sees UFOs. Curse of the Man Who Sees UFOs, I believe, is on Amazon. The Man Who Sees UFOs is on Vimeo Plus. And so who knows what this next one is going to be called or when it's going to be released. But wouldn't that be cool if, if I ended up in this thing? So um, these were recorded. Both of these interviews were recorded within, jeez, uh, hours of each other at the Golden State Theater in Monterey. So the theater is a phenomenal theater, and Cristo sat in the seat that he would always sit in. So when you hear this interview, he just think in your mind, he is sitting in a seat that he used to sit in when he was a little kid when he'd see movies at the Golden State Theater. And and now Cristo can listen to this episode and, and be familiarized with Martin, and Martin listens to the episode and can be familiarized with Cristo. And I would not be surprised if these guys crossed paths on many occasions in the past. In fact, on many more occasions in the future. So, thanks for listening to Inspirato Projecto. There is more fun on the way, because guess what? Henry D. Horace will be uh, joining us. So, stay tuned. Thank you for listening. They well, I mean, that I must care. have been very interesting to be this pioneer who's gone out there receiving all this footage, who's having this kind of communication. Yeah. And, and then, then the UFO community And then all goes, of a sudden, what, and what they is, just I cut mean, that's such a weird head. thing to me, the fact that they would cut you off like that. I would think that you'd be well, like a prime you know, person Tom to have DeLong, a I, I lit him up after he came here and, you know, disappeared after the next day we were supposed to meet and compare footage, but it didn't happen. So I sent him an email and, you know. I was like, you know, if you want to play King of the Hill with Stephen Greer and stuff, go ahead. But, you know. That's you, interesting you brought up Stephen Greer. So, okay, so, you know, he's got what he calls the CE5 protocol where he can call yeah. in the UFOs. Which is good. You have that's your own meditation. Yeah. Your own thing. Yeah. Do you, have you met Stephen Greer or anything? Or what are your thoughts with him? I've seen him, yeah. But, do, but you haven't talked to him personally? No, I didn't feel it would be appropriate when I, when, you know. It was at a premiere of one of his movies, you know, we were down, I was down in Hollywood and his movie was premiering or whatever. I saw him briefly and I just didn't think it's appropriate because that is kind of like, you know, it's all the, the vibration from the books and, you know, all of the appearances mm-hmm. and what have you. And I kind of thrive on the engine of, I'm a field researcher and right. I'm out in the bushes. I'm not in yeah. uh, an office or anything doing books or using you're uh, in the mud third and I mean, second you're out part there crawling but, around yeah and not relying on documents that are redacted and mm-hmm. i just can't do that stuff and the whole drive the engine strangely enough that got me so serious about doing it that way is in fact mofon because you know when i had that big triangle sighting that's in the movie i sent them documentation witness statements what position we were in, where the stars were, everything. Biden was there campaigning for uh, Obama that night, right? You know, and when they blew me off, seven months I waited for them to give me a response because I'm like, this for sure, they're not going to blow anybody off. Right, I mean, look, right. you know, come on. And they blew it completely off. And then the footage of the actual event at first, we offloaded it from the guy's phone who filmed it onto one of his customers' phone who turned out to be a sheriff. 
right? And the guy put it on his site, claiming that he had filmed it. No way. And it had gotten 7,000 views. What? Before we caught him doing it. And then he finally let us have our own footage back so we could put it in the movie. Oh, my gosh. And people wonder why I'm not trustworthy. Of, it makes sense. Right? It makes so, sense. Yeah. Gosh, I mean, because it's such a sensitive situation that you've you've built up all this time, mm-hmm. getting to know right. the, you know, the vast amount of star family that we have out there. Yeah. I mean, you were telling me when we talked on the phone the other day, you were telling me that, you know, there's a whole series of these different UFO shapes, and you you know exactly what that what is or are. what this is yeah. or there are. Can you and tell what star systems they're from? No, I'm not an astronomer. Mm. As far as my familiarity with them and what I recognize to be a UFO and how I know it's them or not is from just being out there and trial and error experience. You know, at first I was just like anybody else, you know, I'd go out there and I'd try to find them and I just didn't realize that that's not how it's done. Mm. They basically open up to you and when they do that, um, it's a lot of responsibility and some people just push it away you know they do not want anything to do with it and they're uh, the orbs and the especially are pretty respectful of that um i don't know how it is with uh, abductees and you know what have you and the grades because that's just not my thing i haven't so, so okay so that that has never happened to you before i've had any encounters with grays but uh, i have had experiences with craft and entities that i couldn't identify you know, they were it's humanoid. So interesting. They're all kinds of. Oh, they were humanoid like? Yeah, but not uh, physical in mm-hmm, the sense mm-hmm. that you think they are. You know, they had arms and legs and they were coming out of lit, I mean, really big lit corridors and stuff. And they physically can manipulate particles to the point like you could be standing on your deck and your deck would just vanish and they would be right there in front of you. Something like you would see in a. A science fiction movie or something like literally something just opening up in a space that you thought was a three-dimensional area in front of you and you find out real quickly that what you're seeing and what you're used to perceiving as dimensionality period is a platitude that you kind of your, your brain has gotten used to that and when they open up those doors and they show you that it's all you know, it's all transparent. It's, you know, there's just different layers of this stuff. And, you know, they can move between these layers. And I tell people that's why you don't see a bunch of aliens running around buck naked on Mars. Mm-hmm. They're probably in another dimension. So, you know. Plus, I hear that they, they can f- vibrate at a higher frequency. Yeah. When there's that happening, you, we, we can't see that. No. And just even their ships, if they vibrate at a, a higher frequency rate than our eyes are normally used to perceiving light, they'll look invisible. You can't even see them at all. Man. So, yeah, they so could be you, right next to you. So do you, um, when you go out to, to look for them, do you get the, like a feeling, some kind of feeling in you, like something's telling you, like, okay, now is the night that you're going to go out, and yeah. here's where you're going to go. Yeah, no, it doesn't say here's where you're going to go, but it just, I'm drawn. They know I'm just this little dude (laughs) so they're gonna look for me in like places that we've already had past communications in Mm -hmm. and that's what i'll do i'll go to a certain places i have places that i'm kind of like you know it's like my spots and some of them are top secret and some of them aren't and uh that's where i go and i signal and you know if they're around then they see me, they'll definitely show themselves. So. It's incredible. So, yeah. you, so you, you were making music based on how the I music that you make in there and oh, turn yes. it into a spectral, and then you can play. What the is that? What is that? Wave. Explain that. It's an algorithm, and you can play it at it's different frequencies at different speeds. So it's like a like a low frequency oscillator. The faster you play it, the higher the pitch goes until it becomes an actual tone and note. Right, so something that would just be a modulator can go from a modulator to a pitch generator. Incredible! Yeah, Where did you they first get that that's, inspiration to do well, this? I'm a, I mean, that's I'm a sound designer. So, oh, oh, oh! Right, I have all that knowledge I had going in, and that was just a random idea I came up with. Which that theory played out for about six months, but I kind of have decided that that's not really. Uh, they may have thought that that was interesting I was doing that. Mm. But I've kind of learned that it was more than just me playing 
sounds made from their pictures. That what, was what else did you discover? Well, I just I just found out that they're pretty much present all the time, and it's so they're really, aware of this conversation. Yeah, most likely. I love it. Yeah, and especially when I go and uh, dance with them, they'll they'll get all that information anyway. And they show me that when they when the orbs are merging and stuff and they're entangling, it's the same thing. It's a it's a symbolism, you know, for our connection as well. So how many songs would you say that you've created so far with that? from those pictures? Yeah. Uh, hundreds. Do you have a place to find to, that people can hear this? Uh, Bandcamp or SoundCloud? Music, or? A lot of that music is on Bandcamp. Oh, good. It would be uh, Cristo Music, which is the, my first name, the way it's spelled, and then um, M-U-Z-I-K. And uh, all the there's Cristo Music 1, 2, and 3. But those are the albums that had the majority of the sounds that I would make out of their pictures. And it's not just like space music or anything either. Some of those sounds are just transient FM waves that make good bass sounds and stuff, you know. It's no just spacey sounds kind of thing. Because I'm sure that anyone who listens to that music, there's a certain, it's activating something in there. Yep, it activated something in me. I went and crapped on a golf course, you know, so... That's pretty good right there for yeah, a start, yeah. you know. Yeah. That's a drum roll and a cymbal crash right there. So this was the, the, this idea that came to me when you were talking about they having the, um, you know, the lie detector test. I was thinking that would be interesting, too, if they maybe have you a had... a facial one, too, that I want to do, which is even That's good. more intense. Looking for the, for the uh, yeah, micro-expressions. Yeah, and on that note, they did do that with a lot of the Roswell people, and oh. about 75% of all the witnesses passed with flying colors. Like, you know, the Incredible. guy that was saying they switched out the, the uh, wreckage for, you know, some kind of... All, yeah. those, oh, guys, all those people, right. 100% telling the truth. Incredible. Well, I was thinking about this And they had to thing. walk around with the burden of being disbelieved for 30 or 40 years of their lives. And, you you know, and then that? after that, there's no redemptive quality. There's no one going, I'm so sorry I treated you some that way. Some of them became so, alcoholics. You know, like, and, you know, cause just from being treated like an idiot for even mentioning it you know but anyway so gosh man well i was thinking it'd be so cool if during that if maybe you had because they're you know they're all kinds of different clairvoyance yeah there's the ones who can sense things who can see things who can you know every single kind of sense it'd be awesome too if they were in the room to see what kind of vibe to see what kind of vibe came to them as well yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. what, what images this person sees, what this person feels, what this person hears as they're listening to describe this stuff. Right, right. So it'd be neat too to see where those Venn diagrams. Yeah. Because well, people tell me that they've listened to these things, you know, and like have gone out into the field and done their own research and had good results. And whenever somebody tells me that, it makes me feel good because I don't want to be like, you know, um, <laughs> I hate using the other researchers as examples mm -hmm. so I won't but I don't want to be one of these guys who stands up on a soapbox and you know follow me I'm the messiah UFO right, guy right. I just well, you totally don't people. come off that way <laughs> oh, good <laughs> you're just I, an authentic person who's after the truth you only know? one of many who can do this and that you know the, it's not decided by me it's decided by me you know the extraterrestrials and I think the orbs are pretty much as high a level of whatever it is that I'm communicating with because, you know, the saucers and all of that stuff really um, feels like man stuff. You know, when something's flying around and you have to get inside of it, yeah, that's man stuff. You know, that's humanoid. And, and extraterrestrial, the word, means us from the future. It doesn't mean Incredible. little green man. Which is has right. been you know channeled through many different spiritualists right. about and the fact that they're just our is future a, selves. You know, is a whatever, right? But extraterrestrials are us from the future. So, so how, how interesting is that? That that's your those are your future selves. Yeah. Well, look at the J Rod story. You know, when they had the one of the beings from uh, the crash wreck at Area Fifty One for a long time until he, he escaped in a jump gate. You know, the uh, Project Looking Glass is a uh, real You know what? Thing. I met uh, Dr. Roger Lear many, yeah. at, a, at a secret UFO meeting many Listen, years ago. Listen, that's a real He talked about project. Yellow Book. He talked about the Looking Glass. He said there's quite a few of these Looking Glasses, right? Yeah, well, there's natural ones, too, and the UFOs come through them every time I watch them. That's why I told well, you. We have pictures of the Vortex opening on camera visually. You can photograph it, and it's like 
it's very much like what you would think it looks like, um, the actual corridor. But um, when you see, like, you know, if you can imagine, like, seeing that grill there on the wall. Yeah. Just collapsing, right? Yeah. And becoming an opening and a door. And literally all of the webbing of it is pulling in. You know, so it's it's really like almost like an acid. You know, like when you take mushrooms and like you know, if you were looking at wood panel and it's just kind of like looks like a waterfall or something. It's the same deal. When this vortex opens, everything starts stretching and bending however they want it to. Incredible. And, you know, you figure if it's a million years ahead and that's where their technology is, they're going to know how to manipulate particles and photons and gravity, which gravity is the least thing for them to worry about. Because if you're using that cube and the sphere, the significance of it is that they're using the same energy fusion that the sun is using. Fusion is pretty much the cleanest. It's not clean energy, pure clean energy, you know, or uh, in the sense that like Stephen Greer, them are talking about it. There is a byproduct, which is a, a hydrogen molecule, which is like vapor, kind of like water. Mm. Um, and the deuterium, this is what the scientist was trying to explain to everybody on that last podcast they did, comes out of all water molecules. So those two hydrogen molecules are what they're using to fuel their ships and to move around. Incredible. Yeah, and you know, the fact that they need any kind of a resource means that, you know, it's a thing that's grounded in reality, you know? I mean, just like our bodies, Chris was explaining to scientists, you know, we have to eat to move. They have to do the same thing. They need stuff, they need the energy to move. Gosh, Real now, have, you seen any of the, have you seen any of the UFOs that come from the sky and go into the water? Yeah. Lots of times. I've seen them come out of the water, too. The sphere specifically, but when they come out of the water, that's... Uh... And the, uh, the deuterium thing that we're talking about is suggested strongly in that footage that the uh, pilots filmed because the Tic Tac was hovering over the ocean and it was boiling. Right? The water was boiling? Yeah, it was like a tumultuous, raging pool right below the Tic Tac when they first saw it. And it was oh. zigzagging around over the top of this crazy water so evaporation is one of the processes that you use for fusion okay fusion can be you know it can happen in a lot of different ways but fusion can happen by evaporation so and it does happen in fission that way so gosh it's incredible yeah you learn all this shit when you're a fucking stoner that sees ufos <laughs> I just think it's fantastic that you just keep diving deeper and deeper into it, you know, and they just keep, they're like, okay, you're going to keep diving in. Yeah. All right. We're going to keep showing well, you Well, they more. try to do as much as they possibly could to stop me from doing it. And here I am. I'm back. You can't stop Mo, right? I just keep coming. Hit me again. I stand right back up. So how often do you go out there? How often? Pretty much three or four times a week. You know, I have... <laughs> thousands and thousands of hours of footage of them very close and you know people think like i've saw on this one show I, we showed him a frame that's very specific because it's part of the scientific research you mm -hmm. know so it was part of their evidence and people are like well that's only one frame <laughs> scientist is sitting right here he's right here <laughs> You know, but they, they, it's more fun to take swipes at somebody than it, it is. is to get your questions answered by somebody who knows right. the answer. Yeah, you can tell the difference between when someone is just trying to uh, knock you down yeah. rather than trying to understand more about what's going on yeah. with it, you know? Yeah. It was a little off-putting when, when that happened because it was like some of the first questions. And I just try to be zen about it because Chris, you know, he's... There's the spiritual part of UFOs too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Chris is just pure science you know he'll if you let him he would expound on the nonsense of spirituality and he's a pure scientist and that's why i chose him and why the government chose him to do the government mofon research those 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 were the top 10 percent the uh, the confirmed ones that the guy presented on that show so the that other guy day. he what does he think of i mean especially since he's very he's verified uh, all my footage you know he goes deep so he he himself has verified it yeah and, and that they, was he's the guy part of the team about. that documented the whole that they took the footage 
They processed, they did the whole computer analysis, and then they did an actual scientific paper. So he's the guy who took away all the artifacts and stuff and tried to like really, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah. So I mean, and yet still I put he's... myself up against the fire. No Stephen Greer, no Tom DeLonge with a guitar. Mm -hmm. A real scientist who really did that stuff and knows bullshit from reality. So did you, so in that interview with the other scientists who just only kind of want to just knock you down or, you know, make it sound like they should throw you in the insane asylum, was, it, was there a point where you go, okay, guys, when are you going to ask me the real science questions here? You yeah. know, like, look, I got the stuff. There was you a guys point, but as, as a good UFO researcher, I've gotten used to the idea that if it goes that far, it's best to just kind of walk away from it, to take mm. a time out. So that's what I try to do. I just kind of shifted gears into world crisis, you know, because there's a lot of people in Ukraine getting their asses kicked right now. And, you know, I think people should be really aware of that, you know, uh, because if we're ever going to have serious communication worldwide with UFOs, then their perception of us is going to have to be a lot better than us killing each other and shooting at hospitals that are full of babies that haven't been born and shooting at nuclear reactors that can destroy the whole world mm -hmm. and letting some crazy guy that rides around on polar bears have anything to do with getting the keys to nuclear armament. A guy that rides on polar bears. <laughs> That's real. He really does that. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. I'm like, oh, man, I guess his balls are pretty big, huh? <laughs> wow. <laughs> that polar bear's not biting him, so, you know, whatever. Well, that's one of the things is that, that it's been said is that um, once, once we're in that, you know, a, a more of an agreeable position of opening our arms going, oh, yeah, come on in. We're, we're ready it's to learn happen. more about you. Then they will show themselves. You can't you know, ascend, but until then, you can't ascend into a higher state of consciousness unless you calm down. Mm -hmm. That's the only way you can, like I said, when you're daydreaming, that's like, that's like the most natural high. That's when you're really feeling like yourself and you're just in there and your thoughts and all that stuff. That's the real meditation. You know, so daydream more. It's good for you. Yeah, oh, it's my, my teacher goes, you use daydreaming again, the math equations. And I'm like, easy. It's good for me. Yeah. You know? I mean, Einstein daydreamed. You yeah. know, Nikolai Tesla. All Einstein daydreamed, sure did. He'd walk around in the snow in his bare feet with a martini, dry <laughs> martinis. That was his thing. Incredible. Yeah. His wife had a rough life, boy. It's funny because people really want to be able to know of the modern day, you know, Tesla or the modern day uh, French Einstein characters, but they can't seem to actually recognize it when it's right there in front of them. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? It, it, it's like it, it, it's it, like it, they it's, have to wait a certain amount of time and then they go, "Oh, you know what? Uh, now that I think about it, that Van right. Gogh stuff was pretty good." You right. Know, it's like, yeah. Why do you have to be dead in order for you to verify this, you jerks? You know. So I exactly. think at least now in this day and age, with the way that information goes around, I like to believe that those Van Goghs are like the time span between when that guy was just the starving artist and when he, his painting started selling for six million dollars that type of thing is is i think the gap is closing so yes. i think you will be more and more recognized for what it is that well that's if it happens great if it doesn't you know whatever my path is meant to be in this whole thing i'm just staying focused i put one foot in front of me and then the other and i take one step at a time and I don't have any expectations. I'm not looking for any kind, you know, if somebody says, let's do a show, the premise with that show would be reality. It has mm -hmm. to be real. Those guys at, at Paranormal Caught on Camera took a big chance with me. And that turned out to be the most popular episode of their entire whole thing. Wow. Right? But at the same time, then you've got all of these people who put a lot of pressure on Thank you, Cristo Rapolo, for taking the time out of your day. Thank you, Martin Schmidt, for taking the time out of your day. Thank you, Foxy Lady. Thank you, Mystery Man. Thank you, Mickey Dolans. And thank you, Rob Broski from Twin Peaks, who will be closing out the show. Thank you all for taking time out of your day to be a part of this show. Inspirato Projecto. The whole idea here is... The, the subjects that inspire me, I project them out there. Perhaps they'll inspire someone else and then maybe they will project that out to someone else. Maybe maybe you will share this podcast episode with someone who you think might get a kick out of it. Maybe you will custom order a sock monkey from Martin Schmidt. Maybe you'll go check out Curse of the Man 
who sees UFOs. Maybe you'll see The Man Who Sees UFOs featuring Cristo Rapolo. Uh, maybe you'll check out Awesome Sauce Radio Podcast, which is Foxy Lady's podcast. Maybe you'll check out Mystery Man's podcast. Uh, maybe you'll listen to more monkeys music. Since Mickey Dolan said hi, maybe you'll hire Rob Broski to play Abraham Lincoln at your next um, party. He's an Abraham Lincoln impersonator. Did you know that? He looks just like him. Check out Twin Peaks Season 3, and you will know exactly who I'm talking about. You'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, by the way, if you stick around, if you want, the very last little sort of cherry on the top of this is the Facepalm theme song created by yours truly. Um, also, if you want to contribute, oh, I just realized we got a fun fact coming up by, by Henry D. Horse. Let's do the, let's do the fun fact. Rob Broski will close this out, then the Facepalm theme song. But if you want to contribute to any Inspirato Projecto episode, this is a variety show. Call, you could call the hotline. And leave a message as long as you want, 561-203-9179, or, 561-203-9179, or if you want to leave a voice message, go to anchor.fm, Inspirato Projecto, you can leave a one-minute voice message, and I'll sneak it in here, just like how Foxy Lady did it with Awesome Sauce Radio, just like how Mystery Man did it from his podcast. So, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to Inspirato Projecto and, and resonating with this frequency. I'll talk to you later. Here's your fun fact. You pay to have your star on the Walk of Fame in Hollywood. $30,000 to be precise. Stay tuned to Inspirato Projecto for more fun facts. This is Robert from Twin Peaks, and you're listening to Inspirado Projecto. Got a light? It's a face palm, a face palm, a balm of calm, like an napalm bomb. It's a face palm, a face palm, crumbly malm of loamy alms, and how soon do Thank you to to do it again. It's a face palm, a face palm. Here it come, alms playing Brahms and prom. And how soon do you think you to to do it again? And the homes from Guam, Guam to the cable comes. Are the Grom Rom diatoms glom in their moms? Facepalm, a facepalm The book of psalms and rhymes and rhymes And how soon do you think you'll do it again?